Welcome to Inside the Nest, the official podcast of Kennesaw State Athletics. I'm your host, Nolan Alexander, and today, Brandon Joseph, Brandon Sutton, Jordan Griffith, and I explore Kennesaw State's 3-0 start to the season, matching the best start in program history for KSU football, thanks in part to a 37-27 victory at home against Dixie State. Inside the Nest is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. This is fandom of Fifth Third Better. Visit 53.com for more information. So with the Owls being off this weekend due to COVID-19 issues within the Gardner-Webb program, we have more time to reflect upon the win against Dixie State. And we'll get it started off with Brandon's on the ball. It's an OG Brandon Sutton and our own Brandon Joseph on Inside the Nest. Welcome back inside the nest. Brandon Joseph, Brandon Sutton here. A couple of Brandons on the ball. You should know by now, every week we break down the Owls action and we look ahead and we talk about just some other things that are surround the football program and FCS football as a whole. We have a lot to unpack. The game against Dixie State won and then the game that we thought was going to happen against Gardner Webb. That is not going to happen, but also a couple other topics going on. I'm joined once again by Brandon Sutton. Sutton, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Hey, always good to be here. 37-27 victory for the Owls over the Trailblazers from Dixie State. And a win's a win, a win. You know, Coach Bohannon, he, he likes to say we celebrate victories no matter how they come, but a lot to unpack from that game. Uh, definitely. Dixie State definitely came up to Kennesaw and tried to put on a show. Uh, the quarterback, Cody Woolstead. He, he came out big, tried to put up some big numbers and do a lot. Um, I, but uh, just like you said, uh, it's definitely guns. We're starting to see a theme. Uh, the defense is doing a great job holding holding things down in the middle of the games. But late, we're starting to see more and more points being allowed, and which is really affecting those inline scores and just how things are going to be picked up and seen by, like, uh, people that are going to be picking these teams for uh, the championships later on the season. Yeah, and the Owls, they didn't punt in the contest. The only time they really – didn't score was the end of the game the final possession when they closed out the game but you know offensively a lot of drives that you just ended up having to settle for a couple of field goals you settled for three field goals in the game you know if those are touchdowns this game isn't close necessarily but you know settling for field goal points are still good but leaving a lot on the table uh, definitely. We, we left a lot of points on the field uh, on Saturday and uh, just just like going forward, just uh, being able to see that and just like what 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 we could have had and like the amount of points that should have been on the board. Hopefully uh, they'll be able to see that on the tape. And just like how uh, it'll show them like the little things that we can just fix going. Well, what we thought was going this next week, uh, but a little bit more time in between that. But now that just gives them a little more time to fix those little things. So like hopefully uh, going forward, we won't need those three points. We'll have seven on the board. And we don't have to worry about that going forward for uh, the rest of the season. Sticking with the offense, Tommy Bryant came out, played really well, was able to run the ball for a good bit, 104 on the ground, passed three of five, 77 yards, ended up leaving the game with a lower leg injury. Coach Bohannon was on the radio locally here in Atlanta, made it seem like if the game was going to be played this week, Tommy may not have been 100% or fully available. They would have held him out from the contest, but very big for Xavier Shepard to come in late in the game, step up for her first play, competes a 22-yard pass, and 
you know, for the Owls, it's always been that next man up mentality. And Coach Bryan has always said QB2 has to be just as prepared as QB1. But in a game where Jonathan Murphy was not available, to have Xavier Shepard get some meaningful reps and to excel in that really bodes well for the Owls. Oh, yeah. First things first, just want to give uh, Tommy all of his praise from Saturday. He had a great game, uh, performed well, uh, made great decisions in the field and in the back, uh, pitching the ball and just and throwing the ball. And uh, seeing him go down late uh, is a little concerning, but uh, just like we were talking about earlier with uh, the Gardner Webb game getting uh, postponed for this week, gives him a little bit more time for rest. And, uh, and definitely while he's resting up, they're definitely going to start trying to get Murph and uh, – Xavier more more of these reps throughout these next uh, two weeks leading to the next Owls uh, football game just just one just so we uh, have the security of uh, of our quarterback and because that's going to be the number one thing we're going to need in our option offense because if you can't get the ball pitched if you can't get the ball given we don't really have much going on off the standpoint but um, just like you said uh, it's really nice seeing that uh, Xavier getting there on Saturday and just hey, it's already have it clicking a little bit already know what to do not not that uh, not so much uh, the, the rushed emotion of, oh, I, I didn't make a decision now. Someone gave us the feeling that he knows what to do and he's ready to go. So that's another great feeling of just seeing that next man up mindset, being able to run through that QB room with everybody being down at this point in time. And the game slows down when you take those reps, when you're actually on the field. Practice is one thing. Practice prepares you, but the game slows down when you're on the field. And, you know, so many times with this offense, you have to be the one making the pitch. You have to be getting hit from the defensive end after you make the pitch to really, you know, lack of a better term, to feel alive in the moment. Exactly. Just uh, like you're saying, uh, the quarterback position in our offense is just as physical as like playing linebacker on defense. You're going to take those shots. You're going to get hit. But at the exact same time, you, you know, when you're taking that shot, you still have to get that ball out. Just that split second for us to be able to make a big play and possibly score a touchdown. Tommy got into the end zone twice now. You know, revisionist history, I think we can do this. We're going to take one away from Tommy and give it back to Kyle Glover. He was ruled <laughs> down at the one, but we felt that, you know what, probably should have counted for a touchdown for him. And we're sure Tommy's okay with that. The touchdown came regardless, but Kyle Glover had a, a great game. Barkley was in the booth. We were working on a nickname for Kyle Glover. I think we settled on the B-back beast in Kyle Glover, just how he was running 14 carries, 85 yards, but pulverizing from that B-back position. And Glover was a monster on the ground on Saturday, man. Just seeing him get loose from that two-back position, just seeing him, and I know, and I know he would do anything he could to have that one playback just to try to stretch for that one extra yard. But, oh, man, I, I just love seeing him be able to get it, get after it from the two-back position out of the backfield, man. And he, uh, like you said, he went for uh, 14 for 85. That's, that's just monster numbers from that two-back position, man. The thing that, you know, I really took a factor in, and we've talked about this a couple of times, we're not really relying on, you know, Shaq and Isaac having to go around the outside because you are getting a lot of yards, whether it's with the quarterback keep or the Glovers and the Daniels coming through the middle. But two things about, you know, the Shaq and Isaac were when you needed to pick up a third down to convert for the first down to end the game, you gave the ball to Isaac Foster. He got that first down. You're able to take knees to end the game. And when X came in, first play, 22-yard pass to Shaq Terry, who he was a couple of inches away from breaking that and taking that to the house call. But those, you know, two factors, they're not filling up the stat book like they had to in previous seasons, but still effective and meaningful touches. Uh, oh yeah and just like you said uh 
you you love seeing those dudes make those explosive plays, but the exact si- at the exact same time, you love being able to see those dudes not have to make those plays because being able to have other guys that can make plays around the field and do in other spots, it, it alleviates the stress off those guys, which allows our offense to do more, expand more, and just be able to uh, create more on the offensive side of the ball, which Yes, those dudes are losing, uh, well, losing touches, but it also allows for offense to be more explosive, put more points on the board, and just do more all around for our team. And there will come a couple of games this year where these guys have fresh legs, and Coach <coughs> Mohanan has said that a bunch. You have to not necessarily keep guys on pitch counts, but you have to be aware of another football season set to begin in five months. <laughs> hey, and with that coming up, you, you're 100% right. That's especially why our coaches are trying to implement this system at this point in time, because keeping those guys from having to make those uh, two, 200 yard games, knocking them down to like 80, 90, it, it seems like, oh, it's effective to their stats overall, but really it's going to be so much more beneficial to them going into the future, having the, having not, uh, not say wasted reps, but having a more, more available energy under them that they're used to having coming out of the season couple of Brandon's on the ball. We're going to wrap up defensively. The Owls 37-27 victory over Dixie State. Looking at the defensive side of the ball. First, give credit to Dixie State. They wanted some. They came down. They gave the Owls four quarters of football. Looking at their quarterback, Cody Willstead, 21-39, 230 yards. But the kid looks the part of a prototypical quarterback. Not knocking Dixie State, but we sat around wondering, how is this kid just at Dixie State, a program making a transition from Division Two to FCS football because he looks the part of a top-tier quarterback. He played lights out, so lights out on Saturday, man. Uh, uh, Throwing for two thirty, getting two touchdowns, and he he was mobile in the pocket, did everything he could, uh, connected with the wideout uh, Devin Osborne a few times, and it, it was just it was just ridiculous being able to see how talented he was out there on the field, and uh, like you just we we were able to see that he he's going to be able to he's going to be doing everything he can to take that program to, to like the next stage for them. Because as of right now, they're just coming, coming out of the transition from D2 and just being able to play where they were able to play like on, uh, like they did on Saturday is amazing to see. And I'm just really excited to see where he's going to be able to take that program in the next couple of years. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting too, looking at that program with Will Stead at quarterback six, four, the type of quarterback you see a lot in, let's say the Missouri Valley football conference with the North Dakota States, the South Dakota States, North Dakota, even Southern Illinois, and those type of programs that have those big prototypical quarterback. But then they have the receiver, like you mentioned, Devin Osborne. He's six, eight, a big, tall, physical type receiver and a running back in Quali Conley, who was bouncing off of tackles. This is a lot of what the Owls expect to see. Maybe not so much in the big South and Monmouth, Robert Morris, the two games they have left, but definitely in the potential of the playoffs when you start seeing those teams based out of Texas, the Missouri Valley football uh, conference teams, and even go further West Sacramento States and things like that. Definitely. And and playing people like that is, 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 is the number one thing that helps prepare for the playoffs. And when you're going to be playing uh, teams that are have more uh, prototypical uh, like D1 bounce back guys that are the dudes that look the part and make the part, but they just couldn't make the grade or something like that. But it, it just being able to play like teams from all over that get guys like this and are able to like put together uh, game plans where you're going to be able to uh, really challenge your offense against dudes. I mean, against people that we refer to as dudes, like the people that are the players of the players, as we would say. And it's just really nice and really, really great to see like a team be able to experience that on a regular Saturday night, which helps them get ready for so much more down the line. 
Carrick Reese had the only sack of Willstead in the game that came on a big third down play. They were pushing, getting ready to drive, actually knocking to the tail in the field goal range. They ended up missing the field goal on that. That was really big for a player like Carrick Reese to get a big play in a clutch time in crucial moments. And you love to see it. And just that the energy that that one play is going to give him going forward throughout the rest of the season, just like him, him being able to get there, secure this, help secure this win for the Owls. That's going to just help prepare, propel him forward going on throughout the rest of the season. And just what it did for the team and the energy the team had at that one moment in time. It's just, you just love to see it. And it's really great to see from young guys. The thing also that gives a lot of uh, energy to a team is a block kick, a block punt. You have the block punt return for a touchdown by Cade Loden, Cole's brother, and that's a big catalyst for the Owls, too. You just felt the energy on the sideline once that punt was blocked, and then a couple of Owls can't recover it, and then here comes Loden just with a gift and just walks in in the end zone. Coming out of the first, that, that was just that was the momentum shift that we 100% needed. And and just being able to see little load get in there, get that ball up, get it in the end zone and just fly out of the back end. Oh, it was great to see, man. I know him and his brother had a great time on the sideline after that. Yeah, and it's really good to, you know, get that electricity going on special teams. We saw it a bunch last year with Isaac Foster, those big kick returns. That special teams game can be just that one momentum, that one iota that you need to push a team over the top. And we've been able to see that all season out of the house. Just the um, the small the small things and small details that you have to put into a special teams, and just how how effective they can be. Uh, blocked kick here, uh, uh, a blocked field goal there, uh, a return on a uh, uh, messed up kick at onside return. Just those little things and how important the special teams can be every week, no matter what, no matter who you're playing. Just one one block kick, one uh, missed assignment on a field goal. It could change the entire momentum of the game and put you in a position to win no matter what. What do you make of you know, the way the game kind of went from the late third into the fourth? The offense we talked about, not having to punt, able to get the ball in the red zone, able to put up points, albeit a couple of field goals where you wish that you would have had touchdowns, but the defense able to weather the storm. I think we made a reference to it last week about boxing. Sometimes you just have to, you know, weather the round and get to the end and then win the, the game on the scorecard. But what do you make for the second week of the Owls going through that? Uh, and, and it was really, it's really uh, strange to see, just like being able to see the defense. Uh, it's the third week in a row we've gone down 7-0. And, and it's also the uh, second week in a row we've held, held, the, uh, held an offense to almost nothing in the second or third quarter. Uh, we literally let them score, uh, score early in the first, and I don't think they put up another point until uh, maybe the back end of the third quarter. So it, it's just really strange for me to see just Dallas being able to put up lights out performances in the second, third quarter, and slowly starting to allow more and more points as the fourth rolls around. As we start seeing bigger and better teams, uh, th this recurring theme is not going to be able to, it's not going to allow us to win ball games. It's going to potentially put us in a situation where, uh, yeah, you may be up we may have shut it down for the second or third quarter, but they've been, they're able to put up just enough points in the fourth quarter to win the game. Going on to the game that was supposed to be against Gardner Webb this week, and they find out Tuesday the game's not going to be going on. Actually, it came down Monday night. Games canceled. If you you know if you're in that locker room, how do you take that? How do you process that? In a sense, we talked about it early in the year. You kind of wanted a bye week, not so early. You get one late, but you were ramped up to get on a stretch, to get on a roll, and then all of a sudden, 
as coach kind of says, spring 2021, it's still the COVID era. The rug gets pulled out from under you. And we, we want to say, you know, our thoughts are with the Garner Webb football program and the university COVID in the program forces the postponement of that game. Want to make sure all the players with the running Bulldogs, you know, across all sports and the campus are healthy and safe. And I'm, uh, I'm right there with you. I'm wishing the best for Gardner Webb. I'm wishing uh, the best for the players and all their athletes. Um, but just like you said, it's it's 2020, it's 2021 football. Uh, it's nothing, nothing that you thought was going to happen really happened, and it's still that way. So you just continually have to have the mindset of being prepared for anything, and just we we never truly know what's going to happen next, and we just need to be thankful and available for all the football that we are able to get this year. So if you are part of this team and you go in and let's say you get ready, you have the big game against Dixie State, you come in, you start processing, okay, these are the adjustments we're going to make, and then game done, what does the rest of the week look like in that cancellation? Are you, you know, moving on to Robert Morris and trying to, you know, use that extra time to look at Robert Morris? Or do you spend more time looking at Dixie State and corrections to make off of that than moving forward and then treat game week of Robert Morris like you would a traditional game week? Uh, especially in, in just like in any bye week situation, you want to spend the uh, beginning beginning parts of your week in just in review of what what's happened uh, last week. So in this situation with the game being dropped uh, due to COVID, I'm going to assume that the first few days of the week, that's exactly what these guys are going to keep doing. Uh, I'm sure they use Monday just to review all the tape, go over corrections. I'm sure they would if uh, they're going to come out uh, today or tomorrow and just continue that. Uh, keep correcting off of that tape since with the extra time that you have and then use the uh, back end of the week to start preparing for your next opponent. Owls move up to eighth in the standings. Going to talk about some other storylines in the FCS. Jordan Griffin will have our Big South uh, segment coming up in just a little bit here on Inside the Nets. But James Madison, top seed in FCS, they're getting ready to return after a COVID pause. It's a lot of uncertainty going around of how exactly to rank these teams. North Dakota State, big win over North Dakota this past week. But how do we start sliding these teams? The number one ranked team hasn't played in two weeks. The Owls are going to miss this game. How do you think that these should be kept and evaluated? Going forward, I, I feel like like all all of these teams that are like having to cancel games and all and like I, I feel like it's going to start being we're going to see it a little bit more and more as things continue to ramp up. But at the exact same time, for the for these committees and everything, we're still we're going to have to hold more importance to the games that have been played. So uh, it, it may not seem like uh, the greatest idea, but for for the teams that are only able to play a few games though it's going to feel really unfair for those teams but for the teams that haven't like had uh, so much interference with COVID that have been able to get through like the number of games we've been allotted and be able to play these games and uh, make up whichever games you are available uh, you're available to make up it, it, the committees are really just gonna have to like put a keen eye on the teams that have been able to get through a season and, and have been able to finish games out to make the selections for the teams for the playoffs. Well, that's Brandon Sutton. I'm Brandon Joseph. We're just a couple of Brandons on the ball. Join us next week when we get you prepared for Kennesaw State, hopefully getting ready to take on Robert Morris, the first ever matchup between these two programs next week on Inside the Nest. But until then, Sutton, thank you so much for your time, brother. Hey, thanks, man. Always good to be here. Season tickets for the fall 2021 KSU football season are on sale now. Tickets include all five home games and a ticket to the KSU at Georgia Tech game on September 11th. 
Season tickets start at just $135. Purchase yours today by texting SCRAPPY to 20123. That's SCRAPPY, S-C-R-A-P-P-Y, to 20123, or by visiting www.ksuals.com tickets. Well, it's starting to feel like a sun basketball season right now with the Big South shakeup seemingly every Saturday. So a new edition of the Big South Blitz with our Out Network producer, Jordan Griffith, here on Inside the Nest. It's that time of the week again. Jordan Griffith with another Big South Blitz. This week, once again, kind of like last week, rather inactive. But we're going to get to some FCS scores, some upsets, some big-time games that you are definitely going to be interested in. So, let's get it going. Last Saturday, there were no Big South games outside of Kennesaw State's win over Dixie State. But we're going to get to some FCS scores, a lot of top-ranked teams facing off against each other. But once again, the Big South rather inactive last weekend. We'll see if that changes here in the near future, as some of these teams have been able to get more conference games scheduled. First to the dish. Chattanooga versus Furman. Chattanooga on a roll this season. They're in the top 25 as well as Furman. Chattanooga wins 20 to 18. It came down to the very fo- the very last play in that game. Youngstown State gets their first win over South Dakota. I think I was talking about it either the episode before or two episodes ago about Youngstown State's their entire schedule this year, how tough it's been. So it's good to see the Penguins finally getting a win on the board. They're now 1-4, and four, a 28-10 victory over South Dakota. Rhode Island-Albany, this was an interesting game because Rhode Island was the team who beat Villanova last week in overtime. They go to overtime yet again against Albany, a top-ranked team, and win 17-10. So Rhode Island more than likely going to be in that top 25 when you look at it now. Another big-time game. South Dakota State versus Southern Illinois. South Dakota State wins 44-3. They trounced the Salukis in Illinois. Incredible win for South Dakota State. Again, 44-3. Southern Illinois, I've said it a couple times, they were the team to upset North Dakota State week two. They were able to just pretty much pound the ball down their throat if they wanted to. Southern Illinois not able to do that against South Dakota State. Then you look at some other games S-E-L-A over U-I-W Incarnate Word. This is a basketball score if you've ever seen one in football. 56 to 45. That is a football score, I guarantee you. U-I-W beats S-E-L-A, another top-ranked team. Then you have a game like Alabama State versus Jackson State. Alabama State wins 35 to 28 and over Jackson State. The only reason I say this is because, one, it was the only game on the ESPN channel believe it or not, that Saturday. And Jackson State, their head coach is, of course, Deion Sanders, in case you have not kept up with that. Then looking at another high-ranked team, North Dakota State, the Cinderella's of the entire FCS, wins 34-13 to over North Dakota, who is also in the top five in the ranking. So North Dakota State looking pretty good. They had the stumble out of the gate again against Southern Illinois, but they're able to get a big-time win against North Dakota. And we'll see what they're going to be able to do down the line. Looking at Sam Houston State. Boy, oh boy, this team is a juggernaut. 62-7 to over Lamar. Do not want to play Sam Houston State right now. And that was sort of your FCS roundup. Once again, the Big South was rather inactive last weekend. We'll see if that's different next week. But as of right now, we're just going to keep you updated with the important games, important scores around the top-ranked teams here in the FCS. But... That is it for the Big South Blitz. I'm Jordan Griffith. Thank you so much for listening.
Chipotle hand-rolled tortillas. Does Chewy's know Tex-Mex or what? We're making our fresh tortillas all day long. Perfect for wrapping up Chewy's famous Chicka Chicka Boom Boom enchiladas. Stuffed with house-roasted chicken, smothered in spicy, cheesy Boom Boom sauce. Better have a handshake and fresh limerita handy. Just saying. So gather up your friends because you can dine in at Chewy's or get it to go. We even have meal kits available for pickup or delivery at order.chewy's.com. Locations in Kennesaw and Perimeter. Find us at Chewy's.com. See y'all at Chewy's. We'd like to take this time to thank our proud partner, Coca-Cola, for being the beverage choice of KSU Athletics events. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. We move forward with Inside the Nest as Brandon Joseph sits down with the receiver Will Hagler, who had a career game against the Trailblazers. Here's Will and Brandon on Inside the Nest. Joining me now inside the nest, Owls wide receiver had a huge breakout game against Dixie State. Will Hagler joins the program. And Will, first, congratulations on the huge game against Dixie State. A phenomenal performance. You had 77 total yards, a catch of 41 yards. And just talk about that game and what it was like, you know, having that breakout performance with the Owls. Um, so uh, I've always kind of been waiting for you know my shot to to show what I can do um it's it's taking a lot of hard work to to get where I am and uh especially with the team you know there's a lot of great uh guys on the team that you know we're competing every day in practice and you know especially to get as many targets as I did um on Saturday it's a lot of hard work so um I'm definitely thankful that I was given the opportunity to showcase you know what I can do but um you know, definitely an exciting moment for me. Uh, hopefully not not the last you guys see of me, but um, definitely, you know, something that I've been waiting on and, you know, a moment that's been working for since I've gotten here. So, you know, definitely a big thing for me. One of the things that to be an Owls receiver, you have to love blocking and you have to be engaged in the blocking game. Is that something that has come naturally for you throughout you know, your football career being a physical type player, or is it something that you've had to learn since your time here at Kennesaw? Um, before I got here, um, I would say I had that, that kind of physicality out on, um, you know, at the wideout position. But um, when you get to Kennesaw State, you got to take it up another notch. Um, you know, we're down there, we're blocking defensive ends, corners, safeties, that are coming trying to fill the alley. And so um, I would say that I definitely, I had a little bit of it, you know, developing my game. But when I got here, I, it was up to another notch because it's so much more than, you know, just blocking someone. You have to have the correct leverage. You have to make sure you're punching your hands, everything, you're moving them. So, you know, our quarterbacks and slots can maneuver through those gaps and stuff. So, yeah. So the way that I've always seen how Kennesaw State goes about it offensively is as soon as those corners or the DBs try to cheat in to try to be the extra person in the box to try to help take away those runs, that's when, you know, Coach Bohannon and the offensive staff like to take those shots. How are you in terms of the communication? Do you go over and maybe say something to a quarterback or a coach like, hey, they're starting to cheat in. Hey, I'm starting to notice when the ball is snapped. You know, the cornerback isn't even worried about me. He's trying to shoot the gap to try to stop the run. Or is it just one of those things that I'm ready whenever I'm here to do my job and I don't necessarily need to 
you know, feed information like that? Um, so yeah, it's definitely something um, everybody will notice. Uh, I'll, you know, even go and tell the coaches that, um, you know, they're, they're starting to peek inside and stuff like that. Um, and then even when, when they called the play, uh, everybody, I think we, we called a play just to kind of draw them off sides. And then we um, signaled another play in that, you know, was to beat that corner fire. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's something we all notice. And um, as, as, you know, a team trying to defend it, you know, you really can't do much about it because, you know, once we, we start moving them and everything, you know, teams try to cheat and try to send that corner. And they think that, you know, we don't see it. But then it's just another counter to that. So. What, one of the things I'm very impressed with is, especially the receivers, because Coach Mohan has always made it clear, this is a system where, you know, the second, third string quarterback have to be ready to go at a moment's notice. You guys have three very different type quarterbacks in Tommy and then Jonathan and Xavier. The biggest difference is Jonathan is a left-handed quarterback. And for a receiver, those type of things matter, the angle in which the ball comes out. So how do you keep track of all three guys and, you know, just make those adjustments to their different techniques? So um, in practice, when uh, whenever we're you know working our route running and throwing and everything, we um, I, I don't know if they do it on purpose, but the quarterbacks they'll kind of just be mixed in to you know whichever rep. So you never really know what quarterback is going to throw you the ball in practice. And so I think that you know practicing with that it helps kind of. Uh, us get used because you know sometimes it'll be Murph throwing the ball sometimes it'll be Tommy and so that um you, you develop a sense of uh I wouldn't say comfort with a certain guy but just the the ability to you know know which quarterback is throwing the ball and you know how they're going to throw it you know some people some of the quarterbacks have a, a tighter spiral some of them throw it a little harder so you never really know. And I feel like that really helps as a receiver because you're not expecting the same ball every time. One thing that I was very interested in and, you know, getting to talk to somebody like Jonathan Murphy, Murphy last week, and I want to get your perspective on this. When you play a team like Dixie State, there's not a lot of film necessarily for Kennesaw State to go off of to compare to. What do you watch the first time through when you get to a film, whether it's Dixie State or any other opponent? When you're watching film, what are you looking at the first time you get a look at it? Um, first time I'm looking at it is how hard they're playing. Um, you know, you look for how hard guys are, you know, going flying to the ball. You look at how guys are playing, uh, you know, the cornerbacks, especially, you know, being a wide out. You have to watch how cornerbacks are playing their their techniques, you know, their their cover threes, their cover twos, cover fours, um, press man, all that kind of stuff. Um you know, just to kind of get that edge. And so whenever you see that corner on Saturday, you know exactly what to expect and, you know, what their their body languages dictate, you know, what they're going to do and stuff. Spring 2021 season, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty around it. You guys thought you were going to play Gardner-Webb this week. That game's ending up getting postponed. How do you find out the news and what's your reaction to it? So um, we, we were told the news yesterday in a team meeting. Um, and obviously, you know, as a football player, anytime a game is canceled, you know, 
especially a road game after you playing so many home games. You know, we were all kind of looking forward to, you know, getting on the road and traveling and playing another team. But um, obviously, you know, it's it's just the next week up. Uh, we've got to use this week as a, another preparation week to play um, Robert Morris next week. And so uh, and we, we've got our plan and everything now. And so um, hopefully Robert Morris won't, won't cancel on us. And, we just got to move on. You know, the downfall of not being able to play against Gardner-Webb, you just said it so eloquently. If there is a bright side to it, do you get an extra off day or two, you know, from putting on yeah. pads and hitting because you don't have a game this week? Yeah, we, we get an extra off day. But um, a thing that, and I feel that uh, a lot of football teams try to emphasize on, like off weeks, is that, you know, this isn't off. This is another week to prepare for our opponent next week. And so if, um, you know, teams that take that kind of attitude towards their off weeks, those are the ones that are most successful because they're, they're working and not being complacent and not relaxing. You know what I mean? Will Hagler joins me inside the nest. Now let's get to know a little bit more about you from Tallahassee, Florida, Florida state fan, or was it, you know, one of those situations where growing up, you weren't a fan, you, you went to Florida state high school. So you know, you, Knowles fan or not? Um, Knowles fan, but only because my, my mother is. And okay. so I, I went to a couple games as a kid, and, I, you know, everybody hears the, oh, and all that stuff. Um, but also even going to the school, you know, you kind of fall in love with, you know, the Seminole and, and everything around that war chant and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, definitely a, a Seminole fan in, in some aspects, but. Not, not one of the diehard ones. Were you, know? you just a football player? Or did you play other sports growing up? I uh, I actually wrestled in high okay. school. Yeah, I was um two two time region champ. I should have kind of folded my senior year. Um, something I, I felt like I, I left out, but uh, definitely enjoyed my time as a wrestler. It was um it. I feel like a lot of football players, especially receivers. You know, wrestling isn't something, you know, that's usually in their, their repertoire. So um, to kind of have that that difference, it, it helps me use um, my leverages when I, especially blocking or even um, on releases and stuff, moving, you know, d- defenders' hands and stuff so I can get by them and stuff. So, yeah, I think that it, it definitely has its advantages. A couple as- other wrestlers on the team. Peyton Moore, I believe, is one also. He was a region wrestler in high school. So any desire, yeah. I know he's in a different weight class, but any <laughs> desire maybe to mix it up one day, you know? I can't. I can't fool around with those big guys. Nah, that ain't me. Uh, you have two brothers and a sister. Who's the best athlete at all of y'all? Me, 100%. <laughs> Hundred percent. But uh, my my little brother. Some some people might say he's my big brother. He's a um big dude. He uh, plays at Glenville State. Uh, six forward. The, I believe he's a defensive end. But um, he kind of got the the more the height and the size in the family. But I think I'm the better athlete. You're the tougher one. You had to grow up with a <laughs> yeah. six four brother. Exactly. <laughs> so if you a- couldn't be a football player, what was your dream job or dream profession growing up? Um, dream profession growing up, I would say either um, 
sports casts, you know, on like uh, ESPN and stuff like that, being on, uh, you know, Wake Up or Good Morning America. Good Morning Football and Get Up. Well, that's what it is. But um, I think that, you know, being able to wake up in the morning, pour me a cup of joe, talk about sports, absolutely one of the best things that, you know, something you can do. Okay, we're going to mark that down. He's coming for my job next. Uh, <laughs> favorite food growing up? Favorite food or food growing up? Um, I, I've been a big fan of seafood since I was little. I remember we, we'd go out uh, to these restaurants and stuff and order crabs and stuff like that. So it was definitely beat seafood. Any type, fish, crab, shrimp, mussels, anything. It's, it's all game. Last one athlete that you model yourself after. Um, I I wouldn't say there's one in particular, but um, something that I've done, and um, I don't know if any, anyone else does it, but I take um pieces of athletes, and so you know, like uh, Kobe's mob mentality, and then uh, there's Jordan's, you know not mama mentality, but you know, the, the mental he had when he went out, everybody's seen absolute gamer. Yeah, exactly. The last dance and everything. And you know how he kind of explained how he felt in those moments. And I think that, you know, just athletes in particular and how they, they go about their business and how they work hard and everything they do. um, I think that it's important to look at each of them and recognize, you know, everything that they've done on their own and, and not kind of, you know, followed each other, but everybody has their own kind of, you know, thing they do. I want to wrap it up. There was a video tweeted out of Coach Bohannon dancing a little while ago. Um, <laughs> your initial thoughts. And um, did you say anything to Coach afterwards? Because it wasn't exactly... You know, prime prime eat going on right there. Yeah. So uh, after after the game, um, I was walking next to him, and uh, he goes, "Why are you walking?" And I was like, "Guys, it's my victory walk." And then <laughs> I guess I kind of told him to to go ahead and try to hit it. But um, we, he's got some work to do. But you know, we, we we'll get it right in in due time. So we we got some time to practice this week. So we'll probably work on it. Will Hagler, thank you so much for taking the time to join me inside the nest. I appreciate all the time that you have given us. Appreciate the effort. I think Owl fans, they're going to listen to this and they're going to love you even more. And best of luck moving forward. Thank you. Have a good day. To help prevent the spread of COVID-19, remember the three W's. Wear a mask, wash your hands, and watch your distance around others. Wellstar believes when we all work together to do our part, we can keep Georgia safe. For more safety information, visit wellstar.org. Get your favorite KSU apparel, name brand items, gifts, and more at the KSU Bookstore. Whether you're looking for an Adidas jersey, a KSU sweatshirt, or even a new hat, they've got you covered. Shop their in-stadium store on game days. Visit them in the Student Center or shop online today. Visit the KSU Bookstore online at ksustore.kennesaw.edu. Even though having a collegiate football season in the spring is something unusual, there is one part of the spring season that is stationary every single year. The Dot Martin Scholarship Golf Classic held at the Marietta Country Club in which proceeds benefit the OWLS Fund and student-athlete scholarships. This year it's set for May 10th, 2021, that's a Monday, and registration is now open at ksuowls.com slash dotmartin. 
We wrap up this edition of Inside the Nest with a special interview with Greg Martin. Greg has played in the tournament every single year. It's named after his late mother, Dot. And we find out from Greg what this tournament means and all of its benefits. Here's Greg Martin on the Dot Martin Scholarship Golf Classic on Inside the Nest. What does the Dot Martin Scholarship Golf Classic mean to you? Well, as Dot's son, uh, it's uh, we're pretty proud of the fact that Kennesaw thought enough about uh, Dot and her efforts to uh, name the uh, tournament after her. And uh, when she passed away, that was a real shock because she was fairly young. She was only in her early 60s. It was very unexpected. And she and my dad, Roy, had been doing this tournament for several years and uh, just really started in on their own. So when they Waples came to my dad, Roy, and said, hey, we want to name the tournament after Dot, that really meant a lot to us as a family. So, you know, we've continued to support it through our playing, and we're thrilled when uh, George Olney really kind of took it over and, they, uh, and really, I think, raised it to another level uh, with some major sponsors and, uh, you know, moving to different courses. And so we've been pretty proud that, you know, her name's associated with that and kind of carries on that legacy she had of serving other people. Hmm. Tell us more about Dot. How would you describe her and what type of legacy did she leave within your family and those she was close with? Well, mom, uh, Dot, everybody called her Dot except dad. He calls her Dorothy. But uh, she always had a uh, spirit of serving others. And one of the things that she liked to say was, I think we're happiest when we're doing something for somebody else. And as a mom, she was a terrific mom uh, with us four kids. Uh, it was just a given that if we had a sports team, uh, the team mom was going to be Dot. And uh, it was almost like everybody just assumed it was going to be her because she was the one that wanted to do it and did a great job at serving her, not just her children, but our teammates and uh, coaches and so she had a real heart for people and for service. And so uh, that's a little bit about her personality. And she was really nice and welcoming to people when they would visit our home, especially our friends. My friends used to comment about how nice she was and how comfortable she made them feel when they visited our house. And of course, growing up with that, I thought all moms were like that. but. Uh, she was pretty special. And that just extended into the community uh, at Sprayberry High School when we were all playing sports there or at Shaw Park. And then when my younger brother Bradley went to Kennesaw, she and dad recognized there was no booster club at the time. This was in the early 90s. And there were some financial needs. So they came up with this idea to start a golf tournament to raise some money. So that was just part of what mom and dad did, you know, was to uh, help people out when they saw that that need, they were willing to step in and fill that vacuum and take the lead if necessary. So that was kind of her spirit was this, that spirit of service. And um, that's pretty much was her personality. What were some of the experiences that the Martin family had when they first started this golf classic? 
Well, I've been playing in it since day one, and it's some of the fun things were, you know, getting some of my friends to come play and seeing it grow as well. I remember Dad literally getting a Sharpie and a poster board and writing the names of some of the sponsors uh, to get them some publicity or at least some signage at the uh, first few tournaments. So, you know, it started, uh, you know, pretty low key, but I think the the university recognized, hey, this could be something uh, really good for the community. But I just remember it being fun um, and getting to play with uh, some of my friends because I was already out of school and working on my own. But uh, to see mom and dad enjoying it and staying busy uh, was, was pretty fun to see as well. For someone that's never participated in the Dot Martin Scholarship Golf Classic, what would you say to them right now? Well, I think it's a terrific value. Number one, you you get uh, a lot for your money. You get a whole day of golf at a great facility. I'm pretty sure it's back at Marietta Country Club this year. A really nice facility there. You know, uh, you get fed in the morning. You get to go shopping. You walk away with merchandise. Uh, you get to play, you know, a fun golf course. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of pressure. It's fun. It's a scramble. And then they come back and uh, feed you a fantastic uh, buffet. So for those that just want to participate on their own, it's fun just to go that. But uh, I've had a couple of uh, acquaintances bring their clients. So it was a great day to bring your client and uh, support the community and also just have a great day of golf. Whether it's been firsthand or something that you've heard secondhand from someone within Kennesaw State Athletics, what about the benefits and the fundraising that goes towards the OWLS Fund to help scholarships for student-athletes? What have you seen out of that? Well, I don't have a lot of personal contact with the athletes, but from uh, listening, hearing George and Dave Waples uh, in conversation, they've talked about it's raised a lot of money over the years. So we know that money is going to benefit uh, the athletic program. And some of that I'm, I'm sure is visible by some of the facilities, but uh, I think probably more importantly, it's going to students who need a little help uh, financially to go to school and uh, they're fortunate enough to play sports at the same time. So I, I can't say I have a lot of uh, personal information on that uh, as to where I, whether I can comment, but just in talking to George, uh, played a couple of times with George in this tournament, and he has talked about you know how how much has helped the university and just just raising a lot of money. So um, and it's gotten to be a tradition. They celebrated the 25th anniversary maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, of course, last year was a little weird with uh, COVID, um, but uh, you know it's it's gotten to be quite a tradition. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I would just encourage people to think about playing. It's a great day of golf. It does uh, benefit the uh, university, which is really making a big footprint in the Kennesaw community. Having grown up in Marietta since uh, 71, you know, I can remember when a little two-lane road was uh, out there called Roberts Road. And you know, that got taken over by Barrett Parkway. And uh, I remember when some of my friends were attending junior college at Kennesaw. So it's been nice to see it grow. And uh, 
I think the Doc Martin Classic and the money they're raising does contribute to that and, you know, does allow students a chance to come to the university when they do need some, some uh, help financially. But it's a great day of golf and, uh, you know, it's uh, for a great cause. And uh, we're excited that Dot's name is still associated with it and kind of carrying her, carry on her memory of uh, service. We are too, and we're looking forward to the Dot Martin Scholarship Golf Classic on May 10th, 2021. Mr. Martin, thank you for your time. Well, you're welcome. Thank you, Nolan. Inside the Nest has been brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. This is fandom of Fifth Third Better. Visit 53.com for more information. Another winning week for Kennesaw State football. Big thanks to Greg Martin for joining us and giving us his thoughts on the 27th annual Dot Martin Scholarship Golf Classic. Again, registration is open right now at ksuals.com slash dot martin. Big thanks to the Brandons, Brandon Joseph, Brandon Sutton, Will Hagler, and Jordan Griffin for joining us on this edition of Inside the Nest. I'm Nolan Alexander, and until next time, go apps.